0: Well, good morning and welcome to the Hennepin County Podcast. Uh, My name is Mike Sable and I'm here interviewing Judy Regenscheid, one of the most influential women in government, nearly anonymous outside of this institution. Overseeing a staff of 1,800 employees and budget responsibilities well in excess of half a billion dollars, she's quietly built an amazing career as CIO and now Chief Operating Officer of Hennepin County. As Judy gets ready for retirement, she joins us to talk about her career and her amazing life story her fiercely competitive streak outside of work, and the power of saying yes. It's my distinct pleasure to welcome Judy Regenscheid to the first installment of the Hennepin County Podcast. Judy, welcome. Good morning, Mike. First things first, for our listening audience, tell us a little bit about what you do each day and how you can possibly keep up with everything in an enterprise this large.
1: My day, meeting, meetings, meetings. It is definitely the the realm and the bulk of what I do. I walk into my first meeting at eight in the morning and out at five, if lucky, um, at the end of the day. So definitely, um, it's really about setting direction and strategy, it's about um, aligning things, thinking about where the county board wants to go, where the county administrator wants to go, where the department directors want to go, and making sure all of those can be in some kind of alignment. So. I set direction and then hopefully get out of the way and let the departments do their job.
0: So a lot of meeting stamina. How do you prepare for these meetings?
1: Um, Usually they're pretty wide open. So um, in some cases, if I'm chairing the meeting, I will prepare the agenda and take a look about what I want to accomplish in that. But A lot of my meetings are one-on-ones with department directors and they're really free form and a lot of it's for the benefit of the director to come in to update me and what they feel is the most important. I may have one or two items that I want to make sure we cover and do that, but otherwise it's open discussion and I would have to say um, a good chunk of it is also just talking about life and some of the things that we're doing and, and
0: where we each are in life. Excellent. Well, we'll get into that portion a little bit later. So uh, you didn't start in county government and you didn't start in information technology, yet you ended up in both. So let's explore that. Where did you go to college?
1: I went my undergrad was at the College of St. Benedict and St. John's University and my master's degree is from the University of Minnesota.
0: Okay. And first job out of college.
1: Uh my first job out of college was teaching first grade in the spring Lake park school district it has nothing to do with technology or being a chief operating officer. I was um, an elementary education and music major in college
0: oh fantastic so then then what what next once the, once you started teaching then how did you merge into technology? Sure. Uh, It
1: was interesting because you know I I am older than dirt. Um, Everybody knows that (laughs) and I readily admit it. Um, And it it was at the time that I started teaching was when the computers started coming into the schools. And at that time uh, for those of you that either have read history books or actually did go through it, Apple computers were the big computer devices and we had one computer for the school. Uh, when it came in, no one wanted it in their room. It was like, I don't want that thing. I don't know what to do with it. I'm not gonna touch it. So I volunteered and said, I'll take it. I'll put it in my room um it was a, a great risk kind of saying what is this thing and what am i going to do with it with first graders um, and so i learned very quickly the game oregon trail was very big um, so we played a lot of oregon trail uh, in the, on the computer but then at that point i also got kind of enamored with it. And so I took a few classes on computers um, in, you know, at technical colleges and looking at that and decided at that point is also when I wanted to go back and get my master's. And the University of Minnesota had a brand new program that they put out, which combined a master's in computer science and curriculum development. So I went with that. Um, and uh, started a whole new path into uh, where where I went next.
0: So fascinating, so choosing to go back to school, how, how did you make that choice? Did you go uh, full-time or did you try to work full-time and go to school part-time, how did you do that?
1: I worked full-time and went to school after hours and weekends. So I taught uh, until my classes got over at 3.30. And then I tried to beat rush hour across the cities to the university campus for classes in the late afternoon and evenings and on weekends. And I did that for three years straight till I got
0: my degree. Okay, so you graduate, you get your master's degree. Probably, I'm I'm gonna guess, that one of the few women in the program. Correct. uh, if, If IT trends hold true as they have throughout. How was that, what was that like for you and how do you deal with areas where you're maybe Uh, alone for a while or a trailblazer, if you were.
1: Yeah, you're right. It was very common that uh, to be the only female in a lot of things. Um, What I had to learn early on my career is forget that that that's who you are and just be an equal. Um, And Hmm. so we really uh, did a lot. So one of my favorite classes, I was teamed up with all men and it was um, creating computer games. It was a blast and we just literally forgot who each other was and had a good time creating. And I've carried that through my career too, that it doesn't matter, um, you are an equal because you have the knowledge and you can compete with whatever's out there and just treat each other with respect and be an equal.
0: Fantastic, and now I hope you know that there is a resurgence of Oregon Trail Uh, it's now been turned into a board game. Awesome, I love it. (laughs) So uh, you obviously didn't stay in teaching and you ended up at Hennepin County. How did you come to apply for Hennepin? I went through
1: a couple of steps before I applied to Hennepin. So after I got my graduate degree, I actually took a leave of absence from teaching and was recruited into a brand new startup company. The startup company was a great experience just because um, it was all new and entrepreneurial and exciting. I was young and had nothing but time on my hands to be able to to devote to it. It was not uncommon for us to work all day, go out for dinner together, and work all night. Um, It it was a fun time. The product that that company was making was barcoded software. So if you can imagine taking a magazine that had nothing but barcode in it with a hand scanner and scanning every program that you wanted to run before you ran it, that's what this company did. Uh, Very novel in the barcode world, not so much if you think about all the speed of what we have in loading programs today where they're instantaneous. So needless to say, it didn't stay in business very long. So I got my first experiences in layoff and laying off people. Um, I got uh, experience in watching a company shut down. Uh, So that was interesting and that left me back at the okay, now what am I gonna do phase? Got recruited into a second company that was doing um, kind of a catalog of software. I got there and about a month and a half into it, was putting together a presentation for the salespeople on uh, how to sell the product. And when I asked for, well, can you show me the product? Unfortunately, I discovered there was no product. It was um, the president of the company was into mail fraud and so uh, that was the first time i dealt with ethics in the workplace Mm. because i really had a tough choice when he said i want you to lie to federal investigators i said no i will leave the building instead i ended up leaving that company uh, by choice uh, and said no this i can't i can't do this so left the company and uh, took a, a little time off And then ended up seeing an ad for Hennepin County for an entry, uh, at that time was called Management Information Specialist Position, MIS, and went for that. I I did not get that job, but the uh, interviewing uh, a person who was uh, doing it passed my name on to someone else who was hiring and they hired me, so you never know where you're gonna end up. So I ended up in a entry position supporting i.t for the general assistance and food stamp program
0: fascinating so there's there's two things i want to respond to the first one is you made that ethical decision and it seemed like it was an easy choice for you was it and and how did you what was your thought process for that somebody you're in a new job you're six eight weeks in you seem you made it seem like it was really easy how to say more about that
1: it was extremely difficult to make because it uh being single It was uh, I knew I was the only income and I was about to have none based on whatever choice I made so and at that point I was still young enough in my career where uh, Money was a huge issue and it was uh, beat the credit card to the bank Uh, You pay one off with one and uh, hope the other one beats it to it. Um, So it was a really tough choice It was a tough choice because I didn't know what that would mean for the rest of my career if that decision was going to impact it or not, but I really did know it was absolutely the wrong thing, and that I needed to walk away. Uh, after I left and made that decision, I actually ended up testifying in court against the president of the company, who later went to federal prison for the for the work he did. So, um, it it was a it was a real eye opener, but. It's probably one of the most valuable things I learned in my career because it really taught me that who you are and what you stand for is the most important, and you cannot give up on that.
0: That's fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that story. So the other one that you mentioned is you talked about uh, you interviewed for one job and didn't get it but wound up getting something else. Um, I think that's a fairly common thing. Uh, What is it about the interview process that, that sparks Uh, creativity or thinking about maybe it's not A, but possibly B. Can you say a little bit more about that?
1: Sure, and I'll talk about it from the person who's doing the interviewing and the hiring manager, because I found myself in that position several times, where I'll have several people come in and interview, and as I'm listening to them, I'll go, wow, this person is really great. Not quite exactly what I'm looking for here, but I will know what other things are coming down the pipeline and think, hmm, that would be a good candidate for, for this one, or I know someone else who's hiring, they would be an excellent candidate. So I have hired several people that I have interviewed previously and then gone back to when a posting came up and said, hey, just letting you know this you know, posting is coming up, um, think you might be interested in applying for it, and ended up hiring them.
0: So throughout your career at Hennepin, you start as entry-level IT and you work and move up and transition and move up again and, and, and continue to do good work. And then the county administrator calls you and says, I need to see you in my office. I want you to be the CIO. What's that moment like? terror,
1: (laughs) absolutely, (laughs) Um, didn't quite work that way, I was um, encouraged to apply for it, so in both the CIO and the um, chief information, or chief information and the um, COO job, I've had to apply and go through a lengthy interview process in both, um, and compete for those positions, but I certainly was encouraged to apply for both of those, and the first thought that always went through my head was, I can't do this, I have no idea why, they would think I would even be qualified to do that. Um, It it really was a a trust exercise because a lot of times I didn't see in myself what others saw in me, and I had to learn to trust and go with what they saw, um, even if I didn't necessarily see it. Um, The CIO was probably the most interesting one because when I got the position, I went, oh dang, I got this position. Wonder what a CIO does and what they're supposed to think about. I literally Googled, what does a CIO think about every day to say, oh, okay, I'm supposed to be paying attention to these. But every position you go into, I think you feel that uncertainty because it's brand new. You've never faced it before. And you're, you are kind of blazing that trail for yourself to figure out what to do. But I, I think just trust and
0: go ahead. This mix of of your personal life and and choosing a career and and practical considerations about leaving work, Uh, how do you choose, how do you get that balance between work and life and and how do you do with that every day?
1: Uh, I'm a firm believer in work-life balance and for me it's you don't live to work, you work to live. And so really taking a look at taking care of yourself, taking time and making sure that you can re-energize yourself. I regularly do that for myself (laughs) and i regularly encourage people who report to me to do that including you mike yes yes. Uh, so really getting that time to keep your head kind of in the game but yet walk away from it so that you can get that re-energy and those new ideas and be ready to tackle things because our jobs are exhausting. Um, they're they're very difficult to do and we really need that balance for us. So uh, I do several things that, that I do to re-energize, one of which is go to the lake. I have a place on Lake Superior and it's my getaway. Um, I literally when I thought about wanting a place, I uh, talked to my financial advisor and said, I want to do this. And they said, No problem. After you retire, we'll be glad to get you one. And I said, You don't get it. I need it now. <laughs> <laughs> now is when I need to get away. So uh, we, we managed that. And it really has been um, a lifesaver for me.
0: So you have a very interesting hobby outside of work. So who was Charlie? And what role does Charlie play in your life? Sure, Charlie is—I uh, would
1: say—an adorable but quite mischievous um, Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Uh, my my little dog, who is I just is turning six this week. And um, Charlie and I do dog agility competition. So, if you've ever seen the Westminster uh, dog shows and stuff, you will see where they run dogs through obstacle courses. And that's uh, dog agility. And this um, is something that we do. Um, we train regularly for it. And uh, it's been quite an interesting sport that never in a million years did I think I ever was going to be involved in.
0: So there's a there's a how did you choose to say yes I and mean, how did you how do you get invited to do dog agility or or know that that's something you want to pursue? I
1: got coerced into it, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Charlie's breeder was is very big into dog agility and has um, some national champion dogs, and Charlie's mom was on the national champion level, and so I got kind of this expectation. I was supposed to have the dog that was the the sweet little cavalier that was raised to sit on your lap and uh, I got pressured into no you really need to run him I mean he looks like he'd be really good at this and I was like I have no intention of doing this and pretty soon you know I have other people coursing me and here I am into it and I thought okay I'll attend training and and see what it's like um, it is one of those sports that gets in your blood um, they call it the addiction I think it's absolutely true because um one of the pieces of, of my strengths, unfortunately, is competition, and so um, it came out.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, it's competing, and, and, I, and every time I, I, we sit in your office, there's always a, there seems to be a new Charlie picture, and so it's always a conversation starter. So uh, what are the things that are in your office or on your desk that uh, are mementos for you or signals to the people who you meet with that tell a little story about you?
1: Absolutely. A, a couple of things are out there and, and you're absolutely right. When you walk into someone's office, it is the quickest way to assess the person is look at what they have in their office. So definitely pictures of Charlie are there. Um, in uh, And unfortunate for him, I uh, like to dabble in photography as well. And so he has been the subject of... Um, dog humiliation of photos because uh, he's been in several different kinds of costumes and positions and uh scenarios that are all over the place with that one so so charlie's prominent in there mm-hmm. um i have a, a plaque that says um, life's better at the lake uh, which absolutely talks about my love of of heading up north and the lake um, i have Uh, My plaque that is from the Computer Forensics um, Society uh, in Minnesota, of which I was an officer, which I was very proud of that, that is also displayed in the office. And then just, you know, general, some of the uh, different awards um, kinds of things that have won.
0: So, um, and I think that's important because you're right, those do tell a story. as you think about and reflect on your career, what did you really learn in the early part of your career that you want our listening audience to take away from your experience?
1: I think for me, um, a couple of things I learned. One, because I went through the experiences of of being without times without work, uh, it days seemed very dark then. And I had to learn you have to keep going even when it seems dark. So I think that was a... A big one for me, I think I had to learn you have to count on yourself. No one's going to come and save you. You you really need to think for yourself how are you going to take that next step and get where you need to be and what can you do to change your scenario and take that responsibility. Um, and I think also a big one was making the best of what you have today and being happy with it. A lot of uh, times I see people who are so anxious to move up the ladder and be at that next step that they miss the opportunity of showing just how great they are today and what they can do. And that really does get noticed um, that when, when you really are good at what you do, people pay attention to that and don't forget that. So I think you know, that was a big one. Uh, I think taking risks and looking for opportunities is another thing that I learned early on because I had to do that several times. But for me, the um, to go along with that, the absolute worst interview question that I can ever be asked is, what do you plan to do in five years with your career? I have never had an answer for that. I have no idea what five years ahead is, and I've never had a long-term career plan in my life. I literally have looked at opportunities and evaluated them at the time and said, does this look like the right next step for me or not? And if so, go for it. Um, so I think those are some of the big things that I've, that I've learned um, throughout my early career.
0: So that's great so what what's been the big the biggest surprise for you uh in in your work life? You talk about not having a plan in the five years, so you've probably experienced a lot of surprises uh, at at Hennepin County and seen different risks and opportunities what's been a big surprise for you?
1: I think two of them come to mind: one being the fact I'm sitting doing what I'm doing today, never in a million years as I said earlier, I went to school to become an elementary education um, teacher. I spent my entire childhood lining up stuffed bears and teaching them the alphabet. I expected (laughs) to be doing that my whole career. Never would I have expected I'd be, you know, running Hennepin County operations. Um, So that was definitely a big surprise. The other thing that, that surprises me is that with all of the technology that we have and all of the funding resources that we have and all of the new thoughts and ideas that we have, we're really still dealing with the same old universal problems. It's, it's amazing to me that um, that we still are dealing with issues that I would call basic bottom line respect of being able to be able to deal with treating each other fairly um, as the county has the huge issues of dealing with reducing disparities that that's out there. And that's been out there for hundreds of years. And here we are still dealing with those issues. So that always surprises me that, you know, with is, is all the talent that we have, we haven't gotten past that.
0: So you just said universal problems and so and and I think you're right and so there's has to be uh something from your schooling a book you read or an article or something that sort of threads that universal problem what what's what's required reading in your mind
1: for me it really changed with my career so I think early on um Okay, so you'll laugh at this, but the very first one that I would consider a professional book that I read was Dress for Success. When I got out of college, the two big ones were Dress for Success and What Colors My Parachute. Um, They are actually pretty fantastic books even for today, but um, it really talked about how to have that persona and how to be a professional, and that was important for me when I was making that transition um, from college into the work life of being able to know what it was and what, what I should be like, how I should act, all of those things, so those were great reading. As I started getting into my profession, it became much more the books about the technical knowledge, being that subject matter expert. And yes, as I moved into IT, I do own a book called Internet for Dummies. Um, I uh, <laughs> I had to figure out what the heck that was. I believe I probably have one called Servers for Dummies, too, but there are a lot of the uh, technical books that I spent more time looking at that. But then as I moved up, it became more about management and different principles and philosophies of management and how I could apply that. And then it became about leadership. So I think as your career changes, your reading changes as well.
0: So I, as listening to this, you, you describe going to, you know, being a teacher and getting a computer and then grabbing a book and learning and then becoming a CIO and Googling how to be a CIO and, and reading management books and read leadership books. Uh, what role or what advice did you would you give to people who are trying to continue to learn? I think find the, the manner of learning that fits you the
1: best. There's a lot of different ways to learn, whether that be a classroom or a seminar or book or video or podcast whatever it might be there's a way that you prefer to get information and once you figure that out go with it i think that's by far the best way the other thing i think about learning is no matter what you read or listen to or watch it's going to be one person's interpretation of what that looks like and what was best for them you need to make sure that you pick and choose out of that what is best and fits you the best
0: and apply it to you. So would you give that same advice to somebody trying to deal with a career choice right they can go down a path A or a path B I mean what other advice aside from from that uh, what other advice would you give to somebody as they're trying to decide what do I do? Follow your gut would be my first one your instincts
1: are almost always right Um, I think people tend to overthink at times about what my next step should be and which way I should go and add a lot more in where I think if they sat back and really thought about it, they know the answer. Uh, Instinctively, people know what it is that's gonna give them joy and where their passion's gonna lie and where they feel the most comfortable. So I think that's probably the most important thing um, that I would say. I would also say to think carefully and evaluate that next level in is it right for you because it's not right for everyone um, there are people there are things you give up when you move up so for me it was um, the two biggest things I felt I had to give up was my technical knowledge and being in the technology field that's a really big deal of I I could set up a computer you don't want me setting up your computer anymore (laughs) i had to i had to get rid of that and and let go of it for other things the other thing that as you move up to be careful um, that you're ready for is that the sense of accomplishment really changes so mm-hmm. when you are um, at the technical level, you can feel very good at the end of the day by checking off your list of things you've accomplished or at the end of the week or your project. As you move up, those projects really stre- stretch out and you don't get that sense of, I have anything I can check off anymore. Um, and so be ready to be thinking about, well, how am I gonna get that accomplishment? and what is that going to look like, and am I going to be satisfied with that?
0: Well, as somebody who uh, I have the benefit of reporting directly to you, and I get this, uh, these words of wisdom every week, especially the taking time for yourself. but
1: Whether you want them or not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's one of the things that I, I really uh, appreciate is uh, your ability to say what I need to hear uh, in a very, very polite way. Um, and I, I wanted to just say I appreciate that about you because this, this conversation feels like every conversation we've had for the past two years um so the future 20 years from now you're probably on the uh, maybe on your area in the north shore you're having a cup of coffee and you're reading the news or you're you're paying attention to what's going on and you see hennepin in the newspaper uh what are you looking forward to seeing
1: i think for me it's finding um the people who are here today and what great things they're going to bring for the future for Hennepin County. It's its one of the things I've really enjoyed, and, and maybe it's my teaching background, is watching people grow and really seeing them flourish. I can sit back and smile when I see that. And I've had that great fortune with so many people to be able to to do that very thing. So I think that that's really a lot about what it is and Uh, I feel very fortunate that the time that I chose to retire is when I feel so good about Hennepin County. Um, It was very important to me to feel like this was the place that I love and that I was not running away from because I felt I needed to leave. Um, I really feel great about it and look forward to reading about it. Great. So Judy, what is next? Long as it's not in five years that I have to answer this, <laughs> right? Is <laughs> um, for me. It, it, well, again, you'll laugh at because you know me well enough. Because um, I think anyone who knows me knows I'm pretty anal um, from my background in uh, everything that I have, and so. I have a plan, actually, and actually, I have a spreadsheets with plans, (laughs) and I've categorized spreadsheets. So one of the things that I did prior to making a decision about retiring was to take a course that our county wellness offered about what are you going to do when you retire and what's the purpose of your, you know, what's going to bring you joy during those days. It was a phenomenal class and really made you think and It had you look at your values, and what are the things you really like doing, and what would you want to fill your time with? So as I started looking at that and analyzing, of course, what I had, I really came up with three categories that I knew would fill the rest of my life, and they really are about learning, creating, and exploring. So my next uh, steps are learn, create, and explore.
0: Oh, that's fantastic! Well, I, Judy, thank you for the time. I know that this was a, this was kind of a, a crazy idea, but uh, one of the things that I'll say is that you've always uh, encouraged and supported crazy ideas, and so um, I, my career has been changed. And this is part of why I wanted to do this because this is such a gift that you've given me. I kind of wanted the ability to share this with others because uh, I don't think we say thank you enough to people who have been influential in our life, and so uh thank you for the, your time i appreciate that they're so thoughtful and responses are so great and so um i hope this works i hope people find a lot of value in it uh i don't know how many people are going to listen i don't know if it will be five or five hundred or five thousand but uh this was uh this was a way to uh to capture the voice because our organizations are the stories we tell and i think yours is one of the most important stories we can tell so thank you
1: well thank you mike it's been a pleasure